Welcome to Material, a show about the Google and Android universe, hosted on the Relay FM network. This show is brought to you by Casper. I'm your host, Yasmin Evian, and with me we have Andy Anako and Russell Ivanovich. Hey guys. Nice to be here again, once again. Hello, Yasmin. I'm very excited. Yes, we have a super awesome show in store for you today. We have two members from the Google Photos team. We have John Knack and Erevin Krishwami here to, to join us today. Hey, guys. Thanks for getting up early. I, I, I know it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon over in California. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm here in the Northeast, I don't know how laid back Californians are going to get. So in, in case, in case this, was a, this, this was a problem. Well, we're, we're happy to be here. It's all good. I mean, I was, uh, I'm particularly excited because I am a bit of a camera nut. Uh, certainly on my Android phone, one of the first downloads is the Google Photos app, uh, the Google Camera app. And it's this one app that I interact with, second only maybe to Twitter, certainly way ahead of my actual phone. Uh, so I guess I, I guess the first question I want to ask you guys is how important is that shutter button to you right now? Like how how much of your life is 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 dedicated to figuring out what has to happen and how people what, the circumstances under which people take out a phone and try to press that one button? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, Arvin and I both have small kids, and so uh, I think it was Jason Kotke once had a joke. He was saying, you know, uh, advice for taking good kid pictures is have your kids play in a well lit place, which of course <laughs> they rarely have the courtesy to do. Uh, so, you know, having quick access to that, uh, that camera button is paramount. I remember when the iPhone first came out, it, it felt to me like, um, Luke Skywalker wearing the blast shield where it was like, you, you had to kind of use the force because, you know, camera phones, everything was so slow then like to capture fast motion was really tough. And it was like, I'd say, uh, Hey kid, look at me, you know, and then I'd press the button and then he would look at me and then the camera would fire. Right. But now, you know, uh, the phones are, are, getting so good and, and the quality is so high it's amazing but of course nothing um you know nothing can can make up for a moment if you m- miss it so yeah having having quick access to that first uh firing is really critical yeah i i, I yeah. think uh, john's used all the analogies i don't know that there's like there's any analogy <laughs> left for me to jump in here but uh i think the it, like john said it is it's critically important i think the the important thing is we're go- we've gone from uh, from making photographs and capturing photographs really now to capturing memories. And that's the way that I think about it. Like I, you know, before kids, when I was, you know, toting around my big cameras doing, you know, fine art photography, I was taking photographs. Now I find I'm pulling that thing out and capturing all kinds of daily moments of just stuff that's going on in life. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the, is the transformative thing. Yeah. And, and one thing that's really interesting, just since you mentioned the camera or the, the capture button, I think, Andy, you and I might have talked about this in email. By the way, Andy is just, uh, if you ever want, like, an email to look forward to, you know, the kind of guy who would think, hey, let me take an old Mac and turn it into an aquarium. Like, that kind of mind is going to come up with some really interesting ideas. So I always get a kick out of Andy's suggestions, which are generally really, really thoughtful and fun. Um, but, but I think we were talking about um, just the way that, um, you know, the hardware is evolving such that, you know, what used to be a mechanical process where you'd, you know, you'd push a trigger and then the, the shutter would fire and then you'd get one capture. That's really um, kind of archaic uh, or anachronistic now. And really, um, you know, devices are capable of ca- capturing a lot of photos, you know, per second and, and high mm-hmm. definition. And so, you know, one of the fun things working on photos has been to figure out, well, what can we do after the fact to try to make something really interesting? And to Arvin's point, not just have that one 
slice of time, but really try to better capture what that experience felt like. And so, you know, one of the first things people often notice when they install Google Photos is like, oh my gosh, something's moving, right? And they didn't necessarily even have the intention like, oh yeah, I'm going to make an animation. But they just shot a bunch of pictures trying to get that one, you know, perfect shot of the kid. And what they'll end up with is a little animation uh, generated. And sometimes, you know, I've had the experience of, uh, you know, my parents' old dog, which, you know, passed away years ago. Uh, I found pictures of me with my son when he was a baby. And sure enough, like now here's, here's a little animation made and here's the dog jumping around. And it's just a sort of amazing moment where, you know, to the best of my knowledge, I never had any recordings of that pet. And so yeah. being able to um, do a lot of uh, processing on data sets, I think is really interesting. And we'll, we're going to see more and more of that on device, but also we can do cool things after the fact. So I think yeah, if I mean, you, there's, yeah, I was gonna say, I think sorry, if, you, ahead, if you step up the, the, the broader thing here is that having the, the camera with us, having that shutter button with us all the time, it was liberating, you know, at first, because you, know, you always had it there and you could capture all those moments uh, right then and there. But I think as time has gone on, we're capturing so many moments mm -hmm. and so many photos and so many videos that now it's at the point where it's, you know, there's this avalanche, there's just this flood. And now you're, you're I don't know about, about you folks, but I certainly struggle to, uh, to figure out what I'm going to do with all these things and struggle to remember mm -hmm the important moments and, mm -hmm. and share them. And like, you know, there's a new set of challenges that are not coming yeah. out because of it. It's a nice problem to have, but it's still a problem. Yeah. yeah. And it, it does feel like just the human's relationship with cameras and photos has changed just in the last five years that uh, it's so my own attitude towards, uh, towards photos where I used to sort of curse and cuss like the iPhone uh, because, Oh man, you just give me one button to push. Um, instead of one, what, I wish you would let me adjust this and uh, put my influence on that. And now I sort of appreciate that. For instance, the cameras app, the camera app. Every year, you seem, you guys seem to find another dingus to take off of the screen and either make happen automatically or uh, hide, find find a way to hide that. I mean, are, are people just really expecting? They're they're not lining their kids up in front of uh, in front of the the old tree to get the pictures. So they just want to whip out that phone, press that one button, and get a quick snapshot. Is there an attitude shift? I I think there may well be. Yeah, um, I certainly you know I imagine uh, you guys have experienced this, but yeah, I'll, I'll hang around with a, a parents of other young kids, and then you've got you know the whole gaggle of kids and the gaggle of parents and. Nobody wants to be that guy who's like, okay, look at me, look at me, look, you know, like hectoring all these small children. <laughs> over right? here, over here. <laughs> you want, you know, ideally, you, you want your devices to be as smart as possible and to be able to synthesize something really smart. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's more and more happening. And, of course, um, you know, people, I think, don't, uh, well, why would we, I guess, appreciate, you know, all the crazy difficulty that's going on in the devices and maybe even after the fact to try to say, like, you know, here's some dark shot from a bar. And, you know, if everything works well, you just think you took a good photo. You have no idea, like, how this thing was intelligently, mm -hmm. you know, using HDR or, you know, boosting the shadows. Um, but then again, you know, you, you got a life and people shouldn't have to think about that stuff. Yeah, I wonder if people just um, are getting more used to just capturing their everyday memories as they're happening rather than trying to stage it or rather than trying to think to themselves, oh, yeah, I need to do something here in order to remember, you know, mm. this person by the tree. I think, like, people are just getting to a point where they just want to capture the flow as it happens and then remember it and relive it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I mean, I've found personally, you know, I, 
I went out and bought a DSLR about five years ago and I used the heck out of it for about six months. And then as phones started to get better, I, I found that, you know, I wasn't charging the thing. It was just sitting on the shelf. And every now and again, I walk past it. It's sitting, it's sitting there in my office. Whenever I sit down to do some work, I look up at it. I'm like, I should really use you more, but it's just not... For me, it's just not convenient. You know, my phone goes everywhere I go, you know, whether it be an iPhone or a, a Galaxy S6 or anything like that. It just snap, 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 and the, and the photo's there. And I guess that's an interesting question, um, you know, for you guys. Do you find it difficult that, you know, as, as a person I can have any phone? You know, Google Photos works across a huge range of phones, you know. Is there is there complexity in that? You know, when I push the shutter button on one phone versus another, you know, how do you guys deal with that? I think that's one of the uh, the, the big value propositions behind Google Photos is that it doesn't matter uh, where the photos come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, the set of problems we're trying to solve with photos is around making sure that all of your photos have a safe home and making sure that um, regardless of where your photos come from, you can easily find them and you can bring them to life and you can easily share them. Like Those are, those are the, the things that, um, that we really care about, the problems we really care about solving. And so it doesn't matter you know, where it comes from. I think it's yeah. actually the strength. Yeah, one of the you know, with for me, I um, it, it's funny to say I still shoot with my SLR, like that's sort of uh, quaint, <laughs> you know. Uh, and and I know Arvin. In fact, uh, you, you, I always joke with him about this, but like I definitely do not want to see more of Arvin's photography because I just come away feeling bad because it's really really good. <laughs> um, so he's the kind of guy like he's you know uh, rocking out like with a big tripod and everything. Um, for me, I'm I'm less ambitious, but I do I do want to take the great shots. Um, you know, one nice thing with, with Google photos is just, um, you know, I wrote a blog post, you know, detailing my whole, uh, SLR ingestion process, which, uh, step one is plug in the card. Uh, step two is go grab a beer and wish that Google fiber was in my town. Uh, and step three is there's no step three, right? So we've tried to make it pretty darn easy, but I admit, I mean, there's no, there's no beating human laziness. And even for me, like, uh, just the fact that I have to, remember to like actually take a little piece of plastic out of one piece of metal and plastic and stick it in another one. Um, you know, in an era of instant sharing, it's funny to me that that feels laborious. Like if you ever <laughs> used film, that's so weird, but you know, here we are and, and everybody's used to, you know, apps like Periscope where not only are you you know taking a photo, you're taking a video and you're streaming it live in three taps, you know? So, um, I think that the interesting phenomenon with that, I don't know if you guys have this too, but like sometimes I'll see, uh, a friend's, you know, a picture they've posted on Instagram or Facebook or something, and I'll want to go like it, and then I'll realize it's already been liked, and I'm like, oh, I guess I liked it, and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your 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 brain is just this cup that's overflowing with visual data, and so I think it's um, it's sometimes harder to recall one specific image uh, when there's just so many coming at you. So are you saying there's a bigger shift um, for people to have their photos more, you know, safe and secure uh, on the cloud and being able to share it versus having a really quality photo from like a $2,000 SLR uh, camera? Well, I, you know, what I think is interesting is, um, I mean, to me, it's a lot like how people uh, choose to dress or speak. You know, people are, are really used to um, varying those things by circumstance, you know, and like what I'd wear to a wedding is what I would, you know, different than what I'd wear to a barbecue. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, you know, people choose the right tool. Um, you know, for me this weekend, we went to the Highland games. We wanted to see the mountain from game of Thrones and, you know, uh, have, have my kids have their heads pretend crushed, uh, you know, so, <laughs> as one does. Uh, Always fun. Right. And so I'm like, okay, for something like that, I'm going to try out the big cam and, and make it a special thing for, you know, 
just little stuff. Of course, I'm, I'm plenty happy with my phone. And we see this tool with, with different tools, you know, like tools like Instagram versus Snapchat. You know, um, people choose their very, very highly polished moments and they put them in one place. And then they choose like more disposable things and they put them in another. And so I don't think any of these are, you know, right or wrong answers. It's just um, the, the ecosystem has gotten rich enough that um, I think people can very freely vary uh, what they capture with and where they share. And, you know, really where, wherever they want to do it, um, we want to make sure that's just incredibly easy from photos. Yeah. So one of the uh, things is that photos, photos, <laughs> photos was originally a part of kind of the Google Plus um, sharing. And now photos has been kind of taken out of that. And it's its own, um, you know, app and thing. How do you merge the, the two together, like the social sharing aspect, but also the storage? And how does that all kind of uh, work like how, what? What is the vision that F- Photos has for that? Sure. Um, yeah. So I mean, there's um, uh, there's no denying the path. I mean, like Google Plus Photos, which is where uh, which is where we started off, which is where I started off mm-hmm. on uh, uh, on my journey here at Google in Photos. Um, you know, it, it was a great product and it solved a bunch of problems. And we were you know trying to build something um, to really drive the uh, you know the the social experience in Google Plus. And along the way of building Google Plus Photos, we realized that um, the way in which people think about their personal photo library and all of those personal moments is very different from the way in which they think about a social network. And a lot of people were having difficulty kind of crossing that line of going, wait, like, uh, I'm supposed to back up all my photos to a social network? It's like, that, like, that's not really the way that I think about this. And so that's what really kind of you know, kicked us off in um, basically going back to trying to understand the basic problems that people were facing um, with their, their photo problems and trying to build a product that then solved those problems. So um, we learned a lot of things. We built a lot of things in, uh, in Google Plus Photos, like the auto awesome stuff and um, the entire idea of bringing your photos to life, I think was one of the, the most valuable things um, that we learned there. And so all of the animation stuff, um, the auto collages, the movies, the stories, um, all that richness uh, we wanted to bring over. But then we also wanted to build a place where um, it was going to be a home for your private home, for all of your own photos. And, and there was no question that, um, that, you know, that it was its own thing, that it wasn't a part of a social network. And so you know, we wanted to build a, a way to back everything up. Uh, and then the other side of it is, People want to share their stuff um, to wherever they want to share it to. You know, some people will prefer to email it. Some people will prefer to put it on Facebook or you know tweet it. And so we wanted to build a, a sharing system that made it really easy. Uh, and that's the way in which we uh, we thought about it. And that's the way in which we kind of migrated our our um, photos from the G plus world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got I got to say that that was uh, the the photo system that you had with Google plus. It, I wouldn't say that it skeeved me out, but it got me a little bit concerned because at least conceptually, it felt like not that I was everything that I that I uploaded to Google Plus was going to be public, but it seemed as though it was I'm putting I'm putting my pictures on a stage and the curtain is closed. And the implication is that, of course, you wouldn't have put these photos on the stage if you didn't want that curtain to open at some point. And so whereas uh, I'm really, really happy to have all my photos auto upload into the new Google photos. I was not going to engage with Google plus 
uh, in that way, just for fear that I'd screw something up and suddenly make you know photos of receipts like, shared to you know hundred two hundred thousand people on Google Plus. Imagine the like, likes you get on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, only, only say, my God, you only make that much per column. Oh my God. <laughs> I just want to ask: is is that part of what goes into planning these things? Because uh, it's you. You really have to make sure that people understand what they're doing with these pictures. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and. And as you're, you're noting, you know, it's really interesting. A lot of the technology can really be the same in terms of, you know, Google Plus was doing auto backup. And like Arvin said, it was be able to create all these cool things. And it was keeping things private. It never shared, of course, anything unless you chose to share it. Um, but uh, psychologically, it was a little confusing to people to be like, well, why would I, you know, privately back up to a social network? It, it was a little, um, a little bit of a mismatch. And so now, the fact that these things are, are nicely factored apart means that you've still got all the same functionality, you know, and I can easily, you know, pick just three people to share on Google Plus, or I can choose my circles. Um, but in the same way, I can also share to Facebook, and I know that the two things are very distinct, and I don't have to, you know, worry about uh, mistaking one for the other. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had that experience as well, you know, I, I always felt like it was one click away from, you know, becoming public. And I guess, that's that's another interesting side, you know. the The first part of Google Photos is is the word Google, and I mean, you guys are probably know better than anyone else. But the public perception of Google, you know, varies from person to person depending on you know what things they hear and what kind of camps they fall in. Is is there ever the worry that you've got this you know giant company with your photos and you know a company that's also responsible for search and other things? You know, how do you how do you balance that? You know, you're saying to people, you know, give us all your photos, upload them, we'll we'll categorize them. How do you sort of segment that from, you know, the rest of Google? Part of it is, I, maybe I should say, like, as, as the photos team, we don't necessarily worry about that. Like, on, on the photos team, our entire focus is on building a product that users love and building a product that is, is going to be valuable to people. So, like, that's, that's pretty much what we spend our days, you know, thinking about is how can we take the, the, the technology and take the, the computers and the machines and all the stuff that we have and make it deliver something that's of value, you know, to users. Um, the, the problem, like the, the thing of how different people perceive Google, it's um, on, on the product itself, like that's not our big worry. We're, we're focused on building yeah. the best product we can. And, you know, one thing I would mm. say just about using photos, um, you know, it, it's easy particularly in a company like Google, you know, uh, you could be working on, you know, huge uh, machine infrastructure or something that, you know, you as a uh, consumer may not get to experience every day and, and therefore it can be a little bit more abstract. But one of the nice benefits of working on the photos team is everyone I know takes photos and has a need to store them and share them with the people they love. And so, you know, we're all um, very sensitive to building a tool that we all want to use. And so, um, you know, that's, that's just a great, um, a, a great way to get perspective on that, you know, and, and I'd also interject, you know, just that, yeah. um, you know, Gmail has been around for 10 years. Um, obviously that, you know, takes some, um, measure of trust to, to store that kind of data right. in the cloud. And, um, and, and, you know, Google's been doing that, I think very well for, for 10 plus years. So I think, um, you know, photos is a natural extension of, of that kind of storage. Yeah. And plus there, there's, you got to admit that, there's a lot of there are a lot of immediately visible advantages to being part of the Borg collective, so to speak. Like the first time that I'm just uploading a couple thousand photos uh, from my uh, from my phone, 
And three or four days later, there's like, oh, we've organized all your pictures by content. None of these have been geotagged, but it can tell what what I'm taking pictures of and where they are. Mm-hmm. And I, ma- I imagine you have to leverage a lot of different experience off- across a lot of different people in order to make that happen. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, um, you know, we leverage the expertise and uh, the, the knowledge, kind of the institutional knowledge that's been built up across um, a bunch of different uh, places at Google. Like the, you know, the search folks have been absolutely invaluable in uh, in helping us build the uh, the search features and being able to like auto uh, categorize all of your dog pictures as dog or um, the um, I know the the geo folks have been absolutely valuable in uh, in helping like auto categorize by places and knowing that you know this is a photo of the Eiffel Tower um, definitely like that um, that that is one of the advantages uh, is that you can kind of lean on on people's expertise. That, that they've built up in the company. And it's not just in these areas, it's also in stuff like infrastructure, being able to like launch this product and get it out and, and be able to you know, reliably back up and store all these photos and videos for you know, pretty much anybody that wants to go grab the app and get it. Like that's something that uh, you know, we rely on our technical infrastructure people uh, fairly heavily. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's across the company. Yeah, the one that I, I kind of freaks me out, but in, in definitely a good way, um, I was trying to find a picture from my brother the other day from 2002. So this was, you know, with my little uh, Canon Elf camera, which I remember thinking was just the best thing ever. You know, it was like this this little metal block, <laughs> and it's still a really kind of a neat design. But of course, this was years before uh, GPS was, uh, you know, remotely commonplace. And I just I knew it was in in Salt Lake, uh, the Great Salt Lake area. I just typed in Salt Lake, and boom, it found a bunch of pictures. Um, and then I was able to expand out that cluster and find everything from this day 13 years ago. And so that was an example where, you know, uh, Arvin, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I think the only signal it had to go on was literally just the pixels in the photos. So it actually observed that this, this is known to be, uh, the Great Salt Lake. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, something like the Eiffel Tower, okay, that's, you know, seems relatively easy, but knowing that this, you know, a bunch of briny, uh, dirty mass uh, out in the desert is that particular one. Um, definitely was was one of those little magic moments for me. I was going to ask you, you, you. I mean, you bring up a good point. I mean, how does photos figure out that? Okay, I've seen this shape before. It's definitely the Eiffel Tower, but there's an Eiffel Tower in Paris, and then there's a replica about the same size of the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas. Uh, how, how does it work that point. one out? You're, you're probably hitting on uh, on something that uh, you know we might we might not be able to disambiguate that. Yeah. Wait, and I think I've actually gotten examples of the of the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Oh, sorry, the Eiffel Tower in Las Vegas show up as the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Oh, see, now I totally want to troll Google Photos. Yeah, and like, like, <laughs> like, have like little, let's see if we can break it. Totally, little replica Eiffel Towers, and like pose them in front of non sequitur backgrounds and see see if it thinks I suddenly went to Paris. See, I, I remember for me, like the wow moment was. Um, I installed the app, you know, I already had a lot of photos backed up into it and I just searched for the word Sydney Harbour and upturned a picture that I'd taken with like a picture of a picture, if you can imagine. So I went to someone's house and they had a picture of Sydney Harbour on the wall. I took a picture of that picture and it tagged that as being um, (laughs) Sydney Harbour. I was just like, whoa. And it wasn't even the whole opera house in view, you know, it was just a portion of it with the harbour. And I mean, that, that blew me away. I mean, can you talk at all at a high level about how that sort of thing works? 
yeah, I, I can talk at a, at, a, at a fairly high level. I can't uh, give away all the company secrets, otherwise... Uh... And then maybe send me the algorithms afterwards. No, so very high level that basically relies on uh, on some of the stuff that um, that we get help from the um, uh, the geofolks on. So, you know, you can imagine that you have all of these landmarks and there are popular places that either uh, people have taken a lot of public photos of or like, you know, like Street View has a Street View view of. And, you know, so the, the maps people know that um, a particular landmark in a particular place looks a particular way because they've collected a ton of data for what it looks like. And then you take all of this stuff and you throw it into, you know, these big... Uh, machine learning systems and uh, now they're able to tell given a new photo does it look like it was taken in this particular place Mm -hmm. so it it all just comes down to you know gradually building up um, a tool set based on um, on understanding the world around us and the uh, the landmarks um, are one example of it Mm -hmm. and they're the one example that's I think most obvious in, in in what you just said yeah, and one thing you can do um, is actually, uh, you know, it's only only possible to get this to a certain level of accuracy um, on its own. And, and now that the product is in the world, um, you know, there are inevitably going to be cases where it'll make a mistake. But what's nice is you can actually go and uh, select photos in that case. And via the little overflow menu, you can tell it, like, oh, this isn't that. So I remember early on at one point, uh, we took our kids to Alcatraz, and then it said, amusement park. And I said, hmm, <laughs> not, not an amusement park. Of sorts. Yeah. sorts. <laughs> right, yeah. So, um, you know, but what's nice with that is uh, obviously those signals can then be fed back into the system uh, to, to help provide better training data. And, and thus, the more people use it, um, presumably the better it should get. So I'd love to hear the history of kind of how Smart Search came to be. Um, like, who, how did that idea come to be, which was, you know, that Google automatically categorizes things and places and people without um, you having to tag that? Was that just something that you guys were like in the design room and said, wouldn't it be awesome if, you know, if they could do this? Or how did that happen? That's, um, that's a good question. I, uh, I, don't, I don't know the, the full history behind it, but I can tell you a little bit about how, um, about how this came about. Um, we actually first built um, just search. So in Google Plus Photos, uh, I think this was in uh, May of 2013, at I.O. 2013, uh, we launched a bunch of new Google Plus Photos stuff then. Um, we also launched search. And so we worked with the, um, uh, the search team to basically build personal um, photo search. So you could go in and you can type in tree, and then all of your photos of trees you know, would show up there. And um, uh, so that's that's where it started. When we started building Google Photos, we built that same kind of, of search capability in there. And we built and we used it and we found like, you know, this was great. It was, it was, it was, it was doing a lot of amazing things. But we realized that um, it wasn't obvious to a lot of people that, you know, you could go into this text box and you could type in um, – uh, you know, tree or Paris or whatever it is or, you're looking for. You know, Lego. Or, or Lego. Like, like, why, yeah. why would a computer, why would you just intuit that a computer would know what a Lego looks like? You know, until it I was, then, I, was, I think you, where you're going, it. yeah, it actually yeah. surfaces like, hey, I noticed there's a lot of Legos here. Do you want to see more of those? And so, and, and I mean, does, I think there was like a, there was like a, a bit of an aha moment there. And it was, um, uh, it was basically, we kind of realized that, hey, actually kind of, doing a bit of this organization and just kind of surfacing up 
like what's you know what's actually possible was going to be really valuable and um then you know we like we don't just sit in a room and just kind of make up features uh you know we go talk to users <laughs> and we go um uh yeah we go talk to users and we do these user studies and uh, ask people like how would you like describe this how would you describe like what's in this photo how would you organize your photos and kind of did this over many many studies and the theme that kept coming up was people described their photos in terms of the people that were in them the places that were in them and the things that were in them mm-hmm. uh, and then everything you know could kind of be broken down you know based on that and then kind of based on that high level categorization we went back and you know drilled into basically building the product that you now see in front of you so yeah one of the one of the awesome features like you said was a smart search and um as i look through you know my results i see one for beer which is um awesome because i guess i drink a lot of beer and i seem to take a lot of pictures of beer and they automatically get uploaded um you know to google photos uh, so it brings back like really awesome memories of like, oh, I remember having that beer when we were celebrating our anniversary and all the like. Um, but one of the drawbacks is that, you know, Google automatically categorizes um, some people and faces. And so it's great for like family members and friends that you cherish and love. Um, but what, you know, running into that issue of, oh, no, it's showing me pictures of my ex-boyfriend or girlfriend that I really don't want to see. Uh, you know, again, and I don't know how to remove that. Is is that something that you guys kind of have in the pipeline to to edit, or is that something that's uh, you know an issue that you've heard from users? Uh, it's 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 definitely we've gotten feedback uh, like that, and you know we totally hear and we're always evaluating um, what you know what we can do to address this. Um, we've definitely heard it, and uh, you know we're working on ways to address it. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, certainly there's been a lot of um, of discussion in in the press. You know, not just with Google, but but other companies. And of course, what what um, sort of is beyond the, the bounds of the computer is you know how your relationships you know may have changed. Um, one of the things we we try to do to be thoughtful about this is uh, is actually my favorite new feature in Google Photos uh, is this rediscover feature. Mm-hmm. So I. To me, like I, I tell every you know parent of young kids, especially that I know, turn you know turn on photos, upload all your stuff, and then uh, you'll get a card in your assistant, which is sort of like Google Now. And before we start showing you you know memories, we ask you, would you like to turn this on, right? And then uh, if you say yes, then it will resurface uh, when it thinks there's a, an interesting cluster of stuff from that day uh, on some year in the past. Uh, it'll then give you an assistant card and say, hey, remember this day from six years ago or seven years ago. Um, but as you'd imagine, it, it's, you know, we try to put that threshold in to be thoughtful. Um, but you know, some life circumstance may have changed and, uh, it's not always possible to know, you know, uh, is this now a happier memory? Is it a sadder memory? Um, but it is something we, we take very seriously and and certainly welcome feedback on. Yeah. I've I've got to say personally, I I love that feature. You know, every now and again, my wife and I will get together and we'll look in that assistant card and we'll be like, ah, this is what our kids looked like, you know, two years ago. And it's, it's interesting as well that it takes that particular moment in time, you know, reverses back two years and then you can see, you know, roughly what you're doing at the same time. So if it's around birthdays and things like that, you know, it might be our son's current birthday and then you see his birthday two years ago. And I think, you know, maybe that's not intentional in, in terms of birthdays, but it's, it's one of those moments where you don't expect a computer to be able to create like a, you know, an emotional human moment, but it really can. You know, you guys were saying earlier uh, just how, how 
is sort of society's relationship with photos changing? I mean, one thing we've we've observed is that, um, at least for me, you know, I, I take photos and then I try to, you know, curate down to just the best ones and share those. Um, but what I find with these um, rediscover cards that come up is even a photo which, you know, as a photo is pretty mediocre. Uh, just if it was my kid who's now seven and it's him at, you know, three months old, now I'm fascinated by it, right? And so what would have been an outtake for me or something I might have even thrown away uh, now has a lot more value just for the nostalgia. And so what I find myself doing is um, instead of, you know, taking these rediscover cards and then trying to go through and curate the best shots within them, I just send the whole thing to my wife or to my parents or, or whatever and say like, hey, just remember this day, you know, and, and it might be that shot of beer, you know, out with friends or whatever. But but I, I guess it's it's less about the, the you know, artistic quality of the pixels and more about just the presence and, and what it can uh, trigger in you. So the other behavioral change that I'm noticing in myself is that uh, I'm tending to delete less photos. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. there's uh, like, I mean, that that goofy photo of the kid that's maybe blurry or grainy, uh, you know, of them doing something silly mm -hmm. today. Like I might not necessarily care today or tomorrow, but I can imagine two years from now, if that comes back to me in a, in a rediscover card, like, it would be it would be entertaining to live back to that moment, right? So totally. I think that behavior is like is is also changing. I suspect other people are, yeah, facing a similar thing. Well, and also you know if if photos uh, can synthesize something like you know I'll uh, I took the a burst of the, the photos of this Game of Thrones guy, you know, and I knew uh, I'm just kind of spraying and praying because I got about eight seconds here in front of this dude, and you know hopefully one of these will be great. But you know what, realistically it's probably not that any single photo has like everybody looking and looking perfect. Um, but the fact that those can then be automatically turned into an animation um, is pretty cool. And so, you know, it, it makes me feel, I guess, freer to shoot photos, especially because storage is free and unlimited. Um, you know, it's kind of like Gmail did 10 years ago where it was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's not like, Oh, you've got five megs. Or you've got six megs. Or you've got 12 megs. It's like, yeah. you've got the megs. You've got all the megs, right? So let's not like Google let's photos, not, all the megs. Exactly. Yes. Let's not spend be your, your finite days on Earth uh, farting around trying to manage the finite storage on your little handheld computer, right? That just doesn't seem like a great use of human capital. So if we can just take that off the table, then to Arvin's point, you can shoot freely, you can store the stuff, you back it up, and then we have a chance to surface it later. Well, that's why in the old days of eight gigabyte phones, uh, people who had twins were at an advantage. You can just delete half those pictures, and you're probably just right. <laughs> we should probably take a break for uh, to read an ad, and we'll be right back after this. This episode of Material is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get for a fraction of the price that you'll find in stores. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly onto you, the consumer. A Casper mattress is one of a kind, a new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. These two technologies come together for better nights and brighter days. Usually, mattresses can cost over well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost between $500 for a twin-size mattress $750 for a full size, $850 for a queen size, and $950 for a king size mattress. And all Casper mattresses are made in America. Casper understands that buying a mattress online can have you wondering, how is this possible? Well, not to worry. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. It's that simple. Lying on a bed for four minutes in a showroom has no correlation to whether it's the right bed for you. 
That's why Casper has turned the buying process into a risk-free experience. Casper understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in reality you'll spend one-third of your life on. Casper mattresses are shipped to you in a box, and opening them is an awesome experience all on its own. It's kind of like unboxing your favorite gadget, or Android Wear watch, or phone. You see, your mattress basically comes to life as you remove it from its vacuum-packed bag. And listeners of the show can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash material and using the code material. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much, Casper, for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. One, th- one thing I really I did want to ask about, I love uh, the opportunities of computational photography where uh, partly because of what photos can do, I, I love like getting this little gift from Google Photos informing you, oh, by the way, I found something kind of cool I could do with your pictures. If you want to check, we won't put it in your library until you say that you like this. Um, it's, it's interesting that um, you have to be a little bit tentative about that, don't you? Because I'm sure that a lot of people would like their photos to be improved. They might even like them to be styled. But the... Uh, it feels like you're, you you might in, in in general society might be in danger of entering an uncanny valley, like we talked about this uh, in email uh, a couple times uh, about what happens when uh, you have the ability to say, well, gee, that sky got blown out, but I know that you're at Disney World, I know that you took this picture at four thirty and you're facing east. I bet we can paint in that sky with what should have been there. Like how 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 aggressive and how many opportunities do you want to sort of pursue with all the stuff you can do by just fixing photos uh, until they're perfect? Well, it, it's a great question. I mean, philosophically, you know, the nature of the assistant is really to try to be this um, this tool that you know uh, something that would do what you would do if if only you had tons of you know unlimited time and skills and you know so it's really always meant to be something which um, is in service to you, right? And we never want to. Um, make it something where it feels weird or awkward. So that's why we, we try to take this very respectful posture and say that, Hey, we, we make something, you know, we, we're suggesting it, but like, um, you know, we want to be invited into your house. We don't want to, you know, kind of chuck this through the window, uh, and hope for the best. So, um, Arvin, do you have any other? Well, I, I, I think it's, uh, I'm just amused that you're asking this question to uh, two guys that used to work on Photoshop. And uh, you know, I yeah. actually, <laughs> we, we want to talk about that too. Yeah, yeah. And I actually think it's interesting because um, in in you know, I think Photoshop even faces this the same problem. It's a, it's a tool, and people can use it for um, for changing reality uh, in whatever way they want. And I think you're really asking the same question, like in the automatic world, right? Um, I think it comes down to uh, doing something that's going to be valuable for the user. And we're always open to the like open to input from the kinds of things that people want to see. And you know, if there's a if there's a point in the world where people want like their skies automatically replaced, and like lots of people are screaming for it, then you know we'll you know we'll think about doing it. Um, but that that line, I think it always it just depends on. Uh, on what people want and what people are comfortable with, and we just we just want to do like we want to deliver value, you know, to the user. We want to build valuable things. We want to build valuable artifacts. And if we make something and it's not valuable, then we're not going to do it. We're like we're not going to do something just because it's cool. Yeah, I mean, what I what I would say, I guess, an analogy that struck me was, um, first of all, I think people are much more um, open to um, correcting flaws in hardware, or it, you know, like if 
if there's a color cast on your image and we know, you know, based on the landmark or lighting or anything else, um, how to fix that, people would go like, well, yeah, just objectively fix that. If the camera had been a little better, it would have just done it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's totally cool. I think where um, things become sensitive and, you know, much, much like with Photoshop is when you get into, you know, affecting people or, or sort of cultural norms. And so, you know, to me, it's sort of like if, if my wife, you know, goes into Macy's and is walking through and a lady from the makeup counter comes out and says, Hey, you know, we, we've got some new, um, some new blush and, and some new things, you know, would you like to sit down for a minute and, and, you know, do a makeover? And she'd probably say, well, yeah, that, that sounds great. You know, I'd, she'd welcome that. If however, she walked through the same store and the lady just grabbed her out of the aisle and, and sat her down and started applying blush, right? She's probably going to call the cops, right? And so uh, even though it literally same lady, same makeup and everything. So a lot of these things, um, you know, do, do have to be handled uh, thoughtfully. And I think, you know, as you, as you see, we're trying to take a really um, a thoughtful, respectful approach. That, that brings up kind of a delicate question, though, that really just, uh, I, I promise, just occurred to me, that there are uh, without bringing other cultures into it, I know that my my grandmother was terrified of snakes, and I'm not even joking. Like so much so that if we were if, if we were if I was with her and we were watching a movie on TV, and I know that she wasn't enjoying this movie, I would still keep it on that channel because if I changed channel and we skipped over the National Geographic channel and there was a snake on there, that would be it for the next hour, and. Uh, there are obviously a lot of different ways to apply this, but imagine a, a, a day where you can say, I, I'm not allowed to see snakes in any in any way, shape, or form. Would would that be a sort of feature, where, like automatic snake removal, that's, that Google would be <laughs> at least interested in pursuing uh, just to make, just because this one user, excuse me, a certain, not just one user hates snakes. Indiana Jones hated <laughs> snakes, and there's no one tougher than him. Like, would, would, would you be open to features that even go that far? Within the control of the user, of course. Remember the part where I said Andy asks me the most interesting question. <laughs> I have Can you to say, remove snakes? Right. I've, I've heard a lot of questions in my time here. I've never heard that one. And that, that is interesting. Um, I don't know. No, it is, it is, it is interesting. I, um, I, can, I can safely say that uh, like, no for right now. <laughs> uh, but but I think, I think like, the joking aside, um, what you're really bringing up is that there's a lot of personal aspects to the way in which people interact with their photos. Right. And I think as we're like, we, we've just kind of started off with Google photos. We kind of, you know, have our, our first product. It's out. We're, you know, getting warmed up and there's a lot of different places we can go in kind of adapting the assistant that's in photos, you know, search that's in photos. In many ways you can look at, you know, when you go to search and you see those different groupings, you know, they are adapted to your photo library. They're mm-hmm. adapted to your, you know, you know, your personal tastes and preferences. Mm-hmm. Um, you can imagine that there's value in going further on it. So, you know, in, in the long run, yeah, sky's the limit. Yeah, and Google Photos already, um, you, you may get these periodically. Um, sometimes it'll say a uh, new stylized photo, you know, and it might apply like an HDR look or a black and white look uh, based on what, um, you know, we've seen people like, in terms of like, is this a landscape? Is it, um, you know, are, are there different signals within this photo that might suggest uh, it would be a good fit for a particular look? Um, and because of the way the assistant works, uh, obviously you can save the things you like and you can dismiss the things you don't. And, you know, much like with search, the more people use it, um, obviously the more, more data can be there. But like Arvin says, um, really it's, it's 
I think just just sort of beginning what uh, what we can explore as possible. So you mentioned that you guys are both at Adobe. Um, can you talk a little bit about your history and how you arrived at Google Photos and kind of what what drew you to join Google in this? Sure. Yeah, I I still say I'm I'm just an unfrozen caveman web designer. You know, I I came <laughs> I came to Adobe because uh, I was building I was building websites and animations, and you know I was just uh, yelling at these guys all the time uh, because I loved their tools. But I you know um, as somebody who would stay up all night trying to to finish a deadline, um, I knew where where all the shortcomings were, and so you know I I spent almost you know 14 years there um, trying to build the tools I wanted to use and that I knew would, would help fellow uh, artists and, and designers um, really be more expressive and more productive. Um, I always used to say, I swear because I care, right? And so, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was sort of fun to rant. And, um, you know, to, to, to me, um, uh, the chance to come to Google is really uh, the chance to think about some of the same problems, but now instead of um, going after the, the audience of folks who really want to learn and uh, you know, invest in the craft and, and um, nuance things. Uh, we want to try to bring it to everybody, you know, folks who are just too busy in many cases or, or just don't have um, the background to, to get those, those results, but, but who might really like them. And so I think, um, you know, being able to do all this stuff with the computer vision we've talked about and, and the infrastructure and the machine learning, uh, to me, was just a whole new challenge. So, you know, I, I loved my time at Adobe. Uh, Arvin and I still have lunch with friends over there. And so, um, I think we're all collectively just really privileged to get to work on this stuff. Yeah, I think um, it's, a, it's a similar kind of a story. I, um, I, I found that I, I love building stuff that solves problems for me and, and my family and my friends as well. And so uh, just before I, I started Adobe uh, 10 years ago, and just before I went to Adobe, I started getting into serious photography. And... Um, you know, I started using Photoshop and some of the tools, and I thought to myself, "Man, I should I should go work on this." Hmm. And so I went to uh, you know went to Adobe, joined the Photoshop team, and I worked on it, and uh, you know did that for a bunch of years. Um, and then I uh, you know Google Plus uh, I think came out, and I kind of got on Google Plus through the photography community and kind of saw a bunch of stuff they were doing, and I just thought it'd be really fascinating to go from the like enthusiast professional space to go do something you know, in, in photos for everyone. So I came here, you know, to do that. And now I find myself building products. Uh, they're still building products for me. I'm still like, you know, a huge Google Photos user. Uh, and I've got my professional photography stuff, but, you know, I've got kids and family as well. And there's uh, you know, a ton of problems that photo solves for me, but I'm just, I'm loving building something and solving problems that, you know, like hundreds of millions of other people out there um, are facing and yeah. uh, kind of building a set of tools and uh, building a product for being this home for everyone's photos, like my photos, my wife's photos, everyone's photos, and bringing them all to life. And like, I can't wait to do all the all the other amazing things that we're planning on doing. Yeah, I have to say it's sort of it's gratifying in a different way. You know, like at at Adobe, um, you could say like, you know, I snuck in this, this super arcane little feature because this one artist at Pixar wanted it. And it's like, you just know that because you fought to get it in, like the next movie is going to be just a little bit better in some way, uh, because of it. And, and that's, you know, super rewarding. Um, it's very different. Like today, um, a mom from our moms and dads group, uh, 
pinged me and she said, oh, I've been using Picasso, but I want to move to Google Photos. How do I do that? And it was great to be able to tell her that. And now, you know, I feel like uh, I, I try not to be that guy at the barbecue. <laughs> you should really install this app. It's really good. <laughs> Have you seen this app? It's a very light touch, you know. But, um, but it really is uh, amazing just how widespread the needs are. Like literally, you know, every person I know who has a, a smartphone um, – benefit and generally are really intrigued and and often then go go start using it and then start peppering me with more questions actually that's that's an interesting question it's it's a pretty small one but um are, are there any public figures as to how many users you have like using google photos actively i don't think anything publicly um no but, but some some non-trivial number i i will say that um the number one uh free download on android recently was Google Photos. Yeah, so right. if that gives you a sense of scale, and that's not just like um, in the photography space, that's like amongst all games, amongst all utilities, um, just like number one download period. So I would say it's a, a non-zero number. <laughs> More than one. <laughs> There's maybe multiple zeros attached to it. Actually, actually, sorry, one other question we often like to ask our hosts is, Having both moved to Google recently, can you give us a really short snippet of what your first day there was like? Oh, interesting. Uh, yes. I I walked into what had been Adobe headquarters. Before I ever worked at Adobe, it was headquartered in Mountain View. And it's now been taken over, and I think they were doing Android there. And I walked in, and there was a guy in the lobby playing, like, the electric vibraphone for <laughs> Why? Be- just because Google. Because it's Monday and there's a guy with the vibraphone. And so, um, yeah, I was sort of charmed waiting to get my name tag uh, because that, because Google. So how about you? I think um, uh, I, it was a while ago for me. It was yeah. like, you know, almost three and a half years ago. Um, I think I, the, the, the things I can remember most are probably the emotions. Mm. You know, first there's just the uh, um, almost like, like, like paralyzing fear. There's that, that <laughs> imposter syndrome, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like, wait a second. I guess you're sitting around with all these other people that are part of your Noogler class. We call anybody who's a, a new person, a Googler, a Noogler. A Noogler. A Noogler, yes. Noogler, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so I'm sitting there at my Noogler class and, you know, there's like, uh, there's like a guy with a PhD in mechanical engineering that's uh, going to go, he's joining some robotics thing somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And there's, uh, you know, some other person that invented some computer language back when, you know, I was still in grade school. <laughs> right. And I mean, it was just like, just uh, amazing, the um, uh, the people that were there. Um, and then the other experience is just, um, just uh, energy and kind of yeah. excitement. Uh, like, uh, so you do your, you know, all of your orientation stuff your first day, and then uh, uh, your, um, you get like a mentor who comes and picks you up from, you know, from the orientation place and kind of takes you to your team. And you go in and kind of, you know, meet everyone and everyone's there and there's like a buzz in the office and everyone's excited and there's, you know, there's just stuff that's happening and you go around and talk to all these people and they're showing you the things they're working on. There was um, really high energy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was kind of the two things, pet, like petrifying <laughs> fear and high energy. <laughs> I, I often compare it to that movie Memento where, uh, you know, the guy's like running down the street. He's like, okay, I'm chasing this guy. Oh no, he's chasing me. Okay. All right, so <laughs> a lot to learn very quickly. And, uh, but yes, I, I did learn, uh, to Arvin's point, very soon uh, not to click through on the resume link. Like if you would look somebody up on the company directory, you're like, oh, who's so-and-so and what's she been up to? And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, she's like 
doing sales, but guess what? She has a, a master's from MIT in polymer engineering and used to be on the pistol <laughs> team at the Olympics. And you're just like, oh, Jesus, you know, like, <laughs> I need, I need to, st- exactly. And, oh, there's Vince Cerf, like waiting to get a sandwich. And, you know, I, I did want Vince Cerf, who was one of the, you know, founders of, of what we know to be today's internet. Like, he, there was nowhere to sit. And this, he was just in the cafe. And I, he seemed like a, a completely, like, lovely, you know, uh, respectable older gentleman, but I did kind of want him just for a second to like throw down his tray and be like, "Hi, huh, you like your careers? You're welcome. You're all welcome." It <laughs> <laughs> just like clear out a table. But, uh, he did. He did you all owe me eighteen dollars, every one of you. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's cool. Cool to see guys like that at the cafe. That's awesome. Okay, so we have a final question for you. With no budget, like if you, I mean, if you had endless, not you don't have any budget, you had an endless budget and an endless staff, what feature would you add to photos? Uh, um, I mean, I will, I will say this, uh, my, my interest is always around the things we've talked about, like computer vision, machine learning, being able to synthesize amazing things. And so, um, that to me remains just a, an incredibly intriguing area, you know, how can we, um, you know, teach this assistant Photoshop and, and, you know, teach it to, to think like an artist and just to delight you personally based on, you know, Andy might love black and white and Arvin loves HDR and, you know, we should know these things and we should, we should make it, um, your ideal assistant companion. So I I think, and that's, that's a tough thing to get right, but I think that's what makes it worth doing. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing I was going to say is that um, when when I've thought about, like, what what I want to add to Google Photos, um, I don't think, like, resources and budget comes into it. Like, mm. our, our the, the, the base thing that everything comes from is, is this a valuable problem to solve? Mm. And I think what you just described there is... Um, it probably it, it is a valuable problem to solve, mm. and then we go figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's uh, it's kind of a cop out in that mm-hmm. like, I, like I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't have a, a clear thing because I kind of look at it in terms of if uh, uh, if it's important enough, we'll find a way to do it. And you know, I, I think it's it's also you know much like we experience with Photoshop or maybe most products, but like there's always the high low mixture of you know just just one tiny anecdote when I first started on Photoshop. Uh, the healing brush had just shipped and, you know, it was like this complete amazing breakthrough math, you know, multi-year project. And, um, you know, I, I got to go on stage and demo it. People would flip out. It was fantastic. But the thing that got, let's say if that was a 10 on the applause meter, the thing that was a nine, uh, which also went out in Photoshop seven was the fact that you could double click the name of a layer. And then in the layers panel, you could just rename it right there. And hit return. <laughs> and it's like the most yeah. like trivial sort of pedestrian thing in the world, uh, except if you happen to rename dozens or hundreds of layers a day, uh, your eyeballs aren't tracking from you know the lower right to the middle of the screen and back again. And it's just one of those little things where um, even though you you it would defy quantification because it literally saves you no steps at all. It's just like how do you measure you know eyeball muscle wear. Uh, it, it's the kind of thing like psychologically everybody's like, oh, thank you for doing that. And so I think, um, you know, photos will, will continue to proceed where uh, it'll keep trying to do breakthrough things around search and organization and so forth. Uh, and then also just like keep, keep knocking out those um, stupid things that occupy people's time of like, 
your phone ran out of storage and you couldn't take a picture and you had to spend your time deleting pictures. I mean, like, talk about it, just a daft thing to, to have exist in 2015. So I think it'll be um, kind of proceeding on those two parallel tracks of, of the sizzle and the steak. John and Irvin, we want to thank you guys so much for joining us and sharing, uh, you know, more about Google Photos and kind of your passion behind it. Uh, where can people find you and uh, learn more about you and see your photos? Sure. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having us. It's always always fun to talk about this. Um, so I have a blog, uh, JNAC, J-N-A-C-K dot com, um, is where you can find me or JNAC on Twitter, uh, Arvind. Uh, I have a website, uh, akimagery, A-K-I-M-A-G-E-R-Y dot com, and um, that's my photography place. And like I say, if you're insecure about your work, don't go there because it's, it's not going <laughs> to end well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like reading other nice. people's resumes. Like yeah. It's just, it, yeah. why do it to yourself? I, I commiserate. I, I was once on a panel with an Apollo astronaut and the woman who invented the real world on MTV. And my introduction was, <laughs> I was like, Yo, uh, you know what? I think I can just sort of read my book here because no one's going to be interested in anything I have to say. No questions for Mr. Anatko, the person who makes computers into aquariums. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> I, I would have plenty of questions for you. <laughs> Thank you. And this is just like a selfish question for me personally. Um, do you know when you're going to be able to get Chromecast capability back into the Photos app? Because I've been missing that feature. We've heard the request. Noted. Noted. Yasmin has literally now plus one. That's that request. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna plus twenty that. Although I suspect that you know the silence probably means it's good. Chromecast is getting killed next week, Yasmin. Something brand new is coming. Oh. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy, where can people find you? Uh, as always, easiest place to find me is I'm at Anatko on Twitter. You can also have my blog at Anatko.com. And if you think that Suntimes is easier to spell than Anatko, you can go to Suntimes.com for my tech columns. And Russell, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Rusty Shelf on Twitter. Just all one word. And at the moment, I'm busy coding 24-7, so you'll probably find absolutely nothing there. But you can imagine, you know, if Russell was free and he wasn't staying up all night, you know, writing code for you fine people, what, what could he be posting? Picture, photos. You'd be posting photos. <laughs> this is a photo of me asleep <laughs> at the keyboard. <laughs> and I'm at Yasmin Evian on Twitter. And you can find us on Twitter at, at Material Podcast and email us feedback at materialpodcasts at gmail.com and you can visit us on the web at relay.fm forward slash material until next time stay in material